neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, he, was, he, was, he took it, thrust them into the inner prison, and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors opened, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Great passage there. We're going to look at this this morning. Let's ask God to bless His Word. Father, we come to you this morning. We're thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful for the access that we have to you. Because of Jesus, we don't have to go to an earthly priest, somebody who is falsely called a father. We can go directly before thy throne, and we thank you for that. Lord, we're going to look into your word this morning. We ask you that you would illuminate your word by your Holy Spirit today, that you would teach us. Lord, that you would, uh, that you would uh, conform us to the image of Christ today. That, Lord, if there's somebody here, Father, that has not been saved, that today they would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Father, we do a great work today. Would you be glorified today? Would you bless the preaching in Jesus' name? Amen and amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> that cough is just allergies. It's okay. It's just all right. Just cleared my throat. Um, Buchenwald... You're like, Buchen what? Buchenwald. Buchenwald. Became the first concentration camp in Germany discovered by the U.S. Army. And a 19-year-old soldier, Leo Hymas, was there. This is what Hymas said. Buchenwald concentration camp was a place where people were literally worked to death. He went on to say, I've seen the ovens where the bodies were burned. And I've seen the thousands of people who were treated so inhumanely. Has anybody ever been to any of the Auschwitz or any of those throughout Germany? Anybody ever visited one of those? I never have. They say you need to. And they were all over Germany. Buchenwald, Dachau, Warsaw, Auschwitz, Kaiserwald. There was 23 of them actually. And in of sub ones, sub concentration camps, there were up to a thousand that they knew of throughout Nazi Germany and Poland. But it was at Ravensbrück where Betsy and Corey were sent. Some of you know of this story, but Casper Ten Boom was a watchmaker in Harlem, Netherlands, and he was a man of God. He loved God, and he loved God's people, and. And he loved the, 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 the apple of God's eye. And so he created a little place in his house, as many of you know. He created a little place upstairs 
towards an attic, a room blocked off, that he would hide these Jews from the incoming Nazis. And when, as he began to round or bring these in and hide them there, eventually one of his own countrymen gave him up and reported him, and the Nazi soldiers came in and they captured him and his family, and and Casper was sent to uh, one concentration camp, and and Betsy and Corey were sent to another one. It was Casper, the father, who would die ten days later in this concentration camp. Betsy and Corey were sent to Ravensbrück. And the horrors of this camp were detailed in Corey's book called A Hiding Place. How many have read that? Yeah. Numbing, isn't it? She wanna, in, her, in her anger, Corey Ten Boom went on to write about her sister Betsy, who, uh, while Corey was in the prison, she did not have the same, uh, the same outlook that her sister Betsy did. And of her sister Betsy, she said that, she says, Betsy, uh, she said, Betsy, I wailed, how long will it take? How, she was saying, how long will it take us to get out of this place? And Betsy said, perhaps a long, long time, perhaps many years, but what better way could there be to spend our lives? And she said, I turned to stare at her, and she said, whatever are you talking about? And Betsy went on to say, these young men, that girl back at the bunkers, Corey, if people can be taught to hate, they can be taught to love, we must, we must find the way, you and I, no matter how long it takes. Wow. And Corey went on to write that as her body became weaker just before Betsy died at Ravensbrück, the age of 59, she said, quote, We must tell the people what we have learned here. We must tell them that there is no pit so deep that he is not deeper still. They will listen to us, Corey, because we have been here. I walked through the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem last year. And uh, Lord willing, if everything works as God allows, I'd like to go, we'll be going back in January, this coming January, and I would invite you to come. It'll be wonderful. But we went through the Holocaust Museum, and I walked through that place, and I watched, and I saw photograph after photograph after photograph, over a million artifacts from the various concentration camps throughout Europe, and throughout Germany, and those in Poland. The bodies piled up. Vile. Vile. I'll warn you, there's a group out there now that deny it. No, they're not Muslims. They call themselves Baptists. And they deny the Holocaust, just like Islam does. Yeah. Now, this is what happened to God's chosen. No, don't get me wrong. Listen, remember what they said at the crucifixion of Jesus? They said, no, give it, no we have only one king who is Caesar. And they said about Jesus, they said, His blood be upon us and upon our children. They, don't, they didn't want Him. They didn't want their Messiah. And they've gotten what they've asked for, haven't they? No, God isn't done dealing with Israel. He's going to bring them back. The church is not Israel. God has set them aside. He's going to deal with them. But this is what has happened, the horrors of what have happened to the Jews throughout this time. But believers in Jesus Christ have gone through the same horrors, haven't they? 
Do you realize the booms were the ten booms were not Jews? <laughs> yeah. Who went through these concentration camps? I think of 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12, 8, and that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Right? You know, years later, when Corey was given a speech at a church in Munich, a man stood in the back listening and she noticed him back there and as she got done with her speech, the people there got up and they filed out and this man came up to her hat in hand and he approached her and he said, Fräulein, I was at Ravensbrück. He said, I became a Christian. Would you forgive me? And he stuck out his hand to ask for Corey Ten Boom to forgive him. And she said all at once, as a flash, it came back to her. She remembered him. She remembered the torture. She remembered the humiliation as they were in this women's prison. They were made to walk in front of everybody without any clothing on. She remembered the cruelty and the agony. She remembered all of it at once. And he had stuck his hand out there. Fräulein, would you forgive me? And it took her a while. And she did. And she wrote about the process of forgiving this man who had come to Christ. What is it in a believer that could live under such circumstances that their testimony brings others to Christ? Hmm. This is the title of the message. I'm asking this question. How, how do they have a testimony that wins the lost? A testimony that wins the lost. So as we look in our text today in Acts chapter 16, if you remember from last week, briefly, Paul and Silas, they're preaching in Philippi here. This, this young girl who is a slave girl, she is owned by her master and she's, she has a demon in her and that demon has the abilities per se to be a uh, to be a uh, um, uh, a uh, a foreteller to be a uh, to have the the ability to tell the future so they say uh, and uh, she was going around remember following Paul and she was saying these men are be of the most high God hear ye him these men they're showing us the way of salvation and the Bible says it grieves Paul and he turned around and rebuked the demon out of her and the demon left and she was free from this demonic. This demonic possession. It was a wonderful day for her, but it was a bad day for her owner. Because her owner lost his gravy train. No, he. this is how he made money. He made money with this woman and this young girl. And so it was over with and, and uh, they got a little bit irritated. Now this girl is of no value to her. And so the owners of this slave... They got mad. They bring up Paul and Silas here in our text this morning. And they drag them to the courthouse here in the city. And we just read this in verses 20 and 21. And they charged them with unlawful religion. I want to explain something to you about Rome just briefly. Rome had many gods that they worshipped. There's... You can go up and read all the list of them, different purposes for all of them. But Rome sponsored only really a few religions that could be practiced within the empire. And so if you notice these men, they came through, they brought Paul and Silas to the magistrates here. 
and they charge them here in uh, verse 21. They teach customs, verse 21, which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. So they brought up the, the, the illegality of Paul preaching Jesus Christ within this Roman Empire. Notice what they did not do. They did not bring up the real reason that they were mad. What was the real reason? Money. That was the real beef they had. They lost their living. And so they instead they brought up something that would stick. And they said, hey, they're preaching something. These Jews are preaching something that is not lawful to be taught within the Roman Empire. Well, don't worry, the American Empire, we're getting there soon. We're not going to be too far off of this. Yeah. And so what happened was, Paul and Silas, as we read from our text, end up in prison. Prison. What's going on here? It's, it's called retaliation. Listen to me, you stand up and you do right for God and you take a stand and you stand on the Word of God and you live your life according to the Word of God and it comes against somebody else. I'm telling you, there's going to be times in your life where they're just going to retaliate against you. Yeah, It's just Satan. No, see, remember he, he tried to stir, he, you know, persecution, persecution. So then with this damsel, he tried to join them, preach truth and join them. That didn't work. So now they're going to prison. Verse 23 tells us that many stripes were laid upon them. They were beaten with a whip. I don't know if anybody's ever witnessed something like that. It's, it's horrendous. I've only seen a video or two of that. You look in the Middle East, things like that. And they, they bring these people in still today. Remember that guy? Remember that young kid? What was that, late 80s, early 90s? That kid that got caned over in Singapore? And uh, what was his name anyway? For, uh, for spray painting on a building? You dummy. And that's uh, what happens. He got caned. He flogged in public. And uh, anyway, it's a horrible thing. Brought their clothes. Look, they tore the clothes off them, you can see here. Made their back bare and began to whip them. Said many times. Many times. And then they took him in verse 24 and they threw him in the prison. And that jailer that they made keep charge of them. He took his job seriously and he put him all the way, he said, they put him in the inner part of the prison, in the deepest part of the prison so they couldn't get out, and he put their feet in stocks. These men were not going anywhere. So they thought. <laughs> yeah. So I want you to notice this again. Paul and Silas's plans have been changed again. Remember they wanted to go into Asia? Couldn't go into Asia. Paul, God said no. Ended up in Philippi where God wanted them. Now here they are in Philippi where they're supposed to be. Where the, the, In the will of God where God wants them. Listen, the will of God doesn't mean you're free from problems. The will of God many times means more are going to come. Because you're going to be fought by a, by a demon world that doesn't want you there. So here they are in Philippi where God wants them. And now they're in prison. Yeah, they didn't want this. Retaliation. Retaliation. But I want you to notice something here in our text. I want you to notice the response of Paul and Silas. We're going to actually see two responses coming up in our text here. The first one, we're going to see the response from Paul and Silas. The second response we're going to see is from God. That's a good one. No, they're both good. 
But notice Paul and Silas's response. The first thing I notice about this whole thing, they're brought into the court, they're brought into this, to these magistrates and to the court system, and Paul did not use his Roman citizenship. Remember, Paul didn't get it. He didn't buy a citizenship. Remember, he had it from birth. You know what? He, he didn't pull the Roman card for some reason. Now, it could be that this was just some frenzied vigilante justice, and he had no, with, the, with just the chaos that was going on, he had no, no chance to even say anything about it. And before they knew it, it was over with. I think I would have been screaming, Roman, Roman! <laughs> you know, while they're like beating you, you know. I think I would have done something. Paul didn't. I kind of believe the Holy Spirit said, Don't say anything. Are you sure? This hurts. Yeah, yeah, just hold on. Just hold on. So he didn't pull a Roman card. Can I ask you this one? Do you see anything in this text where he's where you see complaining and murmuring? Good night. Do the will of God. Here I am getting beat. Ow. Yeah. This is the thanks I get. <laughs> You see him running home. You see him running home when things got hard. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Look at the, this. Is the response? The response is they're not complaining. The response is they're not uh, finding a way to get out of their situation. Their response is instead at midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing. Singing. You know, this word prayed here, it doesn't mean just simply to ask. You know, the word here prayed also has the connotation and the meaning of worship. They weren't really asking God, I don't believe, get us out of here. Get us out of here. Now, Paul has asked God, for, remember that three times I asked the Lord to remove this, remove this thorn in my flesh and what God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. No, Paul is well aware, he is well acquainted with asking the Lord for things. We don't see that he's asking anything. What we notice here is that Paul and Silas are here worshiping God. In the lowest part of this prison, with their backs ripped open, with the blood coming down, the, the pain and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the stress that they're under, with their feet in stocks in this inner prison, their ministry uh, just really railroaded. And they're singing. Singing. You ever wonder what they were singing? <laughs> you ever wonder about that? I think I have an idea. You know what I think they were singing? Run if you want to, run if you will. I came here to stay. You know that one? If I fall down, I'm going to get right up. I didn't come out to play. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. You know that one? It's a fight and not a game. Run if you want to, run if you will. I came here to stay. And they did, didn't they? They stayed put. Yeah, they did. This was the response of Paul. They're singing at midnight. They're up worshiping God and singing and praising God. And the Bible says that everybody that was in the prison heard them. They heard him singing. They heard him praising God. Could you imagine what's going through? What is with these guys? Yeah. Whatever they have, I think I might need it. But no, here in verse 26, God's going to respond though. In the midst of their worship, in the midst of their singing, in the midst of, in the midst of their, their midnight, in the midst of everything going on, God is going to respond and God is going to answer it. And here He is, He answers with an earthquake. 
The Bible says it shook the foundations of the prison and it made it possible now for Paul and Silas to get out of there. Yeah. You ever have God show up in, in your life in the midst of a trial? You ever have him show up in an earthquake? Not a, not a physical earthquake. This was a real earthquake. Don't get me wrong. I'm not spiritualizing anything. This, this was an earthquake that happened. You ever have God show up in your life? And you thought, boy, that was a good time. Right? Anybody? Are we good? Amen? Amen. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. I remember one time one of our... <clears throat> oh, I don't know. Not to mention, I don't want to mention names. <laughs> one of our girls was uh, kind of liked a young man, and as time went on, I thought this isn't good, and so I said no more. And... Uh, <laughs> And it did, that didn't end well, and the individual went out and brought himself into a car wreck and ended up in the hospital, and, and he started asking for our daughter to come visit him. I said, no. <laughs> Manipulation. Ooh, tough, huh? And boy, poor girl, she got taken a lot of flack from people, and that's so unchristian, and that's so this, and that's so that, and... And we just said, no, you're not going up there. It's just manipulative. That's wrong. It's wicked. And uh, she, the, she was really being pressed and pressed. And Sherry and I just kind of started to kind of pray about it and didn't know what to do about it because it was getting pretty hard. And the phone rang at our house. A lady from our church said, can I talk to your daughter? And they had a really good relationship. I said, sure. And this lady had been through... Two very abusive marriages, married to very abusive men. And she got on the phone and she said, listen, we didn't call her. We didn't say a thing. She got on there. She says, don't you dare go up there. She said, that is evil. You know exactly what he's doing. And she came back down, handed us the phone. We never heard another word about it. Tell you what, God showed up. (laughs) God showed up. Yeah. He will, won't he? Yeah, absolutely. He showed up for Paul and Silas here. Showed up in an earthquake. It woke the jailer up. The doors are open. Their stocks are off. He notices that, and you know what, in that time, you know, this is, listen, if you, if you take watch and, and they, they get out on your watch, you're dead, man. So he's pulling out his sword. He's ready to end his life. He's sure it's over. And he hears his voice in there. Do thyself no harm. We're okay. I wonder if they went back to singing after. I, they might have. Just, I don't know. So the jailer, you, we just read it, didn't we? Runs in there. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Ooh. Man, this guy didn't know what was going on. I'm sure he had heard. He knew what they were preaching in the little town there. He, he, I'm sure he heard. I know he heard the singing and the worshiping. The Bible says all of those in the prison heard it. There's this huge earthquake at the time that Paul and Silas are worshiping the living God. And they didn't go anywhere. And he's thinking, what on earth are with these guys? Wow. He wants that. All of the, all of the gods of the, this Roman pantheon of gods, they don't do this stuff. They don't make me sing in the night. They don't make me, they don't make me to sing when everything's going wrong. So Paul and Silas were brought to the man's house. He brings them in. The Bible says he washes them up, cleans up their stripes on their back, and 
Paul has the opportunity to preach the gospel to the home. The Bible says, the Bible says that the, the jailer gets saved and his house. Everybody who in there who believes, who heard the word of God and believed, got saved. I love verse 34. Look at this, what it says of the jailer. And when he was brought them, when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Amen. 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 This is the second time, in just really in chapter 16, that Paul's plans have been changed. I already mentioned this. They wanted to go to Asia. They didn't. God said no. And, and they didn't want to go to jail and get beat. But uh, God said yes, I guess. But the way in which Paul and Silas responded to the trial of persecution in their life was instrumental to an unbelieving Philippian jailer getting saved. Let me say this again the way that they responded to the persecution in their life was responsible for this jailer getting saved. It gave, them, it gave this jailer an insight into their relationship with Jesus. It gave them insight into the reality of Jesus. And unlike all of the gods of the Roman Empire, this God was personal. They talked about Him. They sang about Him. They worshipped Him. They praised Him. In the midst of everything that was going wrong in their life. No, listen. Uh, uh, beatings, whippings, and prison is wrong in life. That's, I don't think that's anybody's goal. You know, on their, where, do you, where do you expect to be in 10 years? What's your five-year plan? Prison, beatings, persecution. Nobody says that. I don't think. But this was a personal God. And unlike the man-made images of their pantheon, Jesus had real power. Huh. Yeah. So not only did their testimony bring this jailer to Christ, but it also brought his entire family. No, Paul and Silas' relationship with Jesus Christ dictated their response to the retaliation. It dictated the way they responded to the way they were being treated. And the response to that retaliation was why this Philippian jailer got saved. What a testimony, huh? Instead of complaining, instead of murmuring, rightfully so, Paul and Silas praised and worshipped God in the lower parts of this prison, and God showed up. Yeah. It makes me wonder about our own testimony. It makes me consider my testimony. It makes me consider the testimony of this church. I think about our testimony. And I have to ask the question of myself. It begs the question. What? Let me say it this way. How many people will come to Jesus because they see how we respond when our plans are changed? 
Hmm. How many have had changed plans in your life? <laughs> You're like, I didn't do that. I didn't want this. Yeah. You know, the sad truth is that many are not coming to Jesus Christ because all they hear is complaining. Now, now don't, don't get worried. I spent a lot of introspection on this one, buddy. Yeah. Many are not coming because the way that we respond in the trials of our life, the sad truth is many children want nothing to do with God because all they've heard in their growing up years is complaining about God. Complaining about God's provision. Complaining about the church. Complaining about the pastor. Complaining about hardships. Complaining about other brothers and sisters in Christ. Complaining about fans. Complaining about lights. Complaining about parking lots. Complaining about ah, ah, everything in the world. They found something to complain about, haven't they? And you wonder why your kids want nothing to do with God? No, I know that's not the case here all over the place, but sometimes it is. No, listen, I get it. Some, some kids have a free will and they just don't want it. But we have to be honest and ask ourselves, the, the way that I have responded in my life, in the circumstances and the trials of my life, has it shown them Jesus Christ or has it shown them just my flesh? Do you want a, hey, do you want a testimony that wins the lost? Do you, want, do you want that testimony? You say, yes, but, but, but how do I get to the place where I can respond like Paul and Silas? I remember reading Richard Warmbrand's book called Tortured for Christ. And I remember reading that thinking, oh Lord, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. The grace, let me tell you, the grace of God comes at the right time. Don't worry. He knows when to give it. But how do we? How do we? How, would, how is it? Uh, how do we respond like Paul and Silas when the persecution comes in our life? When the plans are changed in our life? When we're in a situation in our life that we just don't like? Let me give you three things to know how to respond when you're at a place that you didn't plan for. When you're in a place of retaliation and Satan is attacking you when you're in a place that you don't want to be. Number one, know Him. So what does that mean? Know Him. How do you know Him? Through His Word. I don't want to show of hands, but how many have a scheduled daily reading plan in your Bible every morning, every afternoon maybe, every evening, whenever it is. Yeah. Listen, you will, you will never know Jesus until you know that book. And listen, you will never get old enough in this life, you will never live enough years to plumb to the depths of it, to get it all figured out. It will never happen. Yeah. Paul said, remember, I've, I've told you before, this has been on my mind this year, when Paul said that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection. Paul just wanted to know Jesus. Of all of the knowledge that he had, of all of the upbringing that he had, sitting at the feet of Gamaliel, the, the, the brilliant mind that Paul was, he said, I, I just counted all but nothing and I just want to know Jesus and Jesus only. you got to know Him. 
You've got to know Him. You know Him through His Word. You know Him through prayer. You know what much of prayer is? Much of prayer isn't necessarily just getting a bunch of stuff. The, 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 the majority, the, the most basic uh, need, of prayer, need for prayer is that we know Him. And we know His mind. We understand Him. Well, God just didn't give me what I asked for. Well, it's showing you something about what God's will is. You're learning about Him. You're knowing Him. Yeah, of course God answers prayer. My goodness, we have lists of prayers answered. I keep a journal of prayers, of prayer requests, and I love once in a while going back through and seeing the ones crossed off with dates and how God showed up in those times. I love that. But you know what that shows me when I look over that prayer list and I see those things that are crossed off and the dates and the, and the little notes beside them. I, I come to understand God better and who He is. We've got to know Him. If you don't know God, you're never going to sit in a prison and sing. Number two, not just knowing Him. Number two, you've got to trust Him. You've got to trust Him. You say, well, I just, I'm having trouble trusting him because that's because you don't know him. This builds, friend. <laughs> One, two, three, it builds on each other. You got to trust him. Number three, praise him. In the midst of it all, clear, clear spot and praise him. David said in Psalm 22, but thou art holy. O thou, listen to this, that inhabitest the praise of Israel. What does that word inhabitest mean? I wrote this down. It means to sit down, to stay, to dwell. You know what happens when we begin to praise God in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our prison, in the midnight of a, the awfulness of a li- our life, when we sit down and begin to praise God, you know what it is? He comes and He just sits down there and He just dwells a little while with you. Boy, nothing like the presence of God in the midst of a trial, right? You know how you you want you know one way you can get that? Just praise Him. Praise Him. Just start off. Lord, I thank you for my salvation. God, I thank you that you saved me. I thank you that you rescued me. I thank you for Jesus. I, Lord, I thank you for your blessings in my life and the way that you provide and, and, and the way that you do for me. And I love what you've done with her. Uh, just praise Him for everything. Some days I just go on a while and I just say, thank you, for, thank you for the shoes, Lord. Praise you that you provide. Thank you, thank you for the car. Thank you for, for grass that needs mowed and I hate mowing it. And thank you for this. And thank, just praise Him. You know what you'll notice? He's just sitting right next to you. Yeah. He, just, he just came and sat down for a little while. David knew this. David knew all about it. Oh, thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. You see, when you know Him, you can trust Him. When you trust Him, you can praise Him. Listen to what Oswald Chambers says. Faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. You know, if you're just in tune with Jesus, you don't really need to know about much else. Yeah. What about you this morning? Do you have a testimony that wins the lost? 
They won't see it in the good times. They're going to see it in the bad times. They're going to see it in the prison. They're going to see it in the persecution. They're going to see it when your plans went upside down. They're going to see it when everything scatters. That's when they're going to see it. Do you have that testimony today? Well, Father, what a great passage. I needed this. And I thank you for it. I thank you that as a child of of yours, Father, that we can have the assurance that no matter what comes in this life, no matter how deep that valley is, no matter how uh, the the trauma that we've experienced in life, no matter the pain, the turmoil, God, that we can have a song in the night. And we can sit close to you. And we can know your presence. We can know your word. We can trust you. And I'm thankful that we're reminded this morning that when we get to that place like Paul and Silas was, the world that needs Jesus is going to notice that. And it will draw them to you. And Father, isn't that the purpose of our life? So Lord, would you help us today that we would purpose in our hearts that we would have a testimony that wins the lost. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.